0: The edge of the world art studio is proud to present helen of the iron horse written by paris danielle lee artwork by helen rachel lee music by fish zombie the onions and special thanks to spooky the cat for her contributions fuzzy as they might be chapter 21 menelaus menelaus stood as he heard the knock at his door "'Enter,' he commanded. "'Sir, Miss Taggett, sir.' The soldier held the door open for Paris and waited for her to step into the office. She began memorizing everything. There was a desk and chairs. There was a couch and terrible wall art. Pictures of cavalry chasing after Native American riders. Menelaus bowed at her entrance. His uniform was blue with gold trim and accents. They were supposed to be yellow, but he had modified them. At his hip was a service revolver. On display behind him was a rifle and sword. "'Miss Taggett, it is a pleasure to meet you. Captain, I want you to release my carriage and remove that ridiculous warrant from my bodyguard.' "'Would you care for a drink?' "'No, I would not. I have been detained illegally. My wagon-train has been held up and searched illegally.' Then there's the ridiculous warrant issued to my bodyguard for an act of self-defense against a soldier who you ordered to kill her. All of these things need to be lifted before this conversation can continue. You're not really in a situation here where you have anything to bargain with. You wanted to get me here. I'm here. What do you want?' I wanted to meet my future sister-in-law before she moved on west to marry my brother. Paris looked at the man surprised. He was much younger than the baron. Brother, she thought. Perhaps, if they had different mothers, and their father had had them at different times in his life. She didn't see the resemblance. Of course, she looked nothing like Hector, and she still called him brother, You're the baron's brother. That doesn't change anything, or excuse your bad behavior. In fact, it makes it kind of worse, doesn't it? Not only can I report you to your superiors, I can tell your mommy. You could only do that if you ever made it to Colorado to marry my brother. I don't think I'm going to let you. I think you may just stay here. After all, you're young and beautiful, the most beautiful woman in the world, according to the papers. It's a heavy title to carry, and quite a grand prize for any man to claim. Why should I let my brother once again take the lion's share? He has his railroad, he has his empire, he has all he desires, because he's bold enough to take it. I think it's time I took what I desired. You're going to kidnap me. "'Aren't you afraid your brother will come after you?' "'I've heard of his fortune and his resources. "'I've heard he will declare war on anyone who attempts to keep me from him.' "'Yes, he has money. "'But I am those resources. "'His army is my army. "'He would not dare come against the entire cavalry "'with a bunch of railroad workers. "'What will they do, pickaxe us to death?' "'I understand.' Thank you for being honest with me. Now, release my carriage, allow my men to leave, and remove the warrant from my bodyguard. Like I said, you're not in a position to negotiate. That's where you're wrong. Paris looked around the room to see a door opposite to the one she came in. What's through here? Before he could stop her, she walked to the door and opened it, entering his private quarters. On the other side of the door was a large bedroom. Again, there were pictures of cavalry officers fighting Native Americans. There was a dresser, a wardrobe, a vanity. In the center of the room was a large bed. Paris sat on the edge of the bed, carefully, while looking at the captain straight in the eye. She said, "'You know, I went to school in France.' "'It was a finishing school. They taught me how to be a wife.' "'Do you know why it was in France?' "'There are finishing schools in New York.' they would have been just as fine. It was in France because the French know more about the art of love than the Puritan New York ideas could even conceive of. If I was to be a wife, if my only value was to be sold, my family decided I needed the skills to justify a higher price. And so, here is what I will offer. As Paris spoke, she began to undo the buttons on her dress. "'If you release my carriage and my men so that they may continue on their way, if you rescind the order to arrest my bodyguard and let her leave with them, then I will give you my compliance.' Paris stood for a moment. Holding her collar as Helen had shown her, she leaned forward and slipped the dress off and over her head. "'I don't need your compliance.' "'No, a man like you probably doesn't, "'but that's because you lack imagination. "'You cannot imagine the things they taught me. "'Did you know I studied anatomy? "'I could tell you how many bones are in your hand. "'I can tell you how many muscles and tendons "'lead from your hand to your arm, "'from your arm to your chest. "'I know every muscle and what it's attached to "'and where it goes.' "'and how to stimulate it. "'I do mean every muscle, "'the ones I can see "'and the ones that you hide. "'Don't you want to know "'why I know these things? "'I will show you "'if you write up the order. "'Give it to your men "'so they can tell the others. "'And then tell them "'that you wish to be alone "'for the rest of the day, "'and that no matter what they hear "'coming from your quarters, "'they are not to enter.' We will need the time to get acquainted. Paris pushed the two sides of her corset together, releasing the front and setting it aside. The captain did not answer. He simply turned from the bedroom and went to his desk. Paris followed him. She watched him write the order. Once he finished, he took it to the door, opened it just a little, and passed it to the soldier guarding the front. She heard him whisper, Take this to the men. No matter what you hear, don't enter this room. I'm going to need the rest of the day. I am not to be disturbed under any circumstances. Yes, sir, the soldier replied. The captain turned to look to Paris. Wearing only her chemise, bloomers, and boots, she was swinging her arms back and forth a little, stretching her legs out, and pulling her limbs, as if she was about to go on a run. What are you doing? I'm stretching. Is that going to be necessary? the captain said with a laugh. Paris stepped closer to him. My father always told me to stretch before a fight. What fight? This one. Paris punched the man in the throat, hooked her foot around his and shoved him hard so he fell onto his back. She then jumped, knees first, into his chest, pushing the wind out of him. He could not speak. He could not breathe. She looked down into his face. I took the dress off because I couldn't fight in it. I took the corset off for the same reason. Menelaus reached for his revolver. As he removed it from its holster, Paris took his hand and twisted the gun out of it. She tossed the gun to the other side of the room. Now, I want you to listen to me, even though the information isn't going to do you any good. I'm not Helen, you arrogant little piece of shit. Menelaus pushed hard, rolling onto his front, shoving Paris off of him. He tried to reach his feet, only to have her wrap her right arm around his neck and her left arm behind his head, locking him into a chokehold. She stepped sideways and stuck her knee into the small of his back. She spoke softly, almost whispering, "'You will never lay a finger on her. "'You will never see her. "'You will never meet her. "'And you certainly will never, ever "'claim her as your own. "'But don't be jealous of your brother, "'because neither will he.' "'I will tell you a secret, because you're not going to have time to tell anyone else. "'I'm going to kill your brother. "'The Baron can't have her as soon as I get close enough to him. "'I will kill him like I am killing you. "'Helen is mine. I have claimed her. "'And I will keep her. Goodbye, Captain.' "'Paris gripped tighter around the man's throat.' He pulled his hands up, trying to yell out, when one word slipped through. Raspy and dark, he whispered, Reaper. (laughs) Yes, the Reaper. All these years and you're still afraid of the boogeyman. Let's just tell the others the Reaper did this, shall we? I know he won't mind if I borrow his name for the afternoon. Paris pulled tighter around the man's throat, silencing any attempt for him to speak further. Silencing him. Forever. Paris dragged the body to the bedroom by the heels, carefully put him in his own bed, and covering him with his blankets, slowly she redressed, snapping her corset back in place, buttoning the buttons on the gown. She sat at the desk in the office to allow a reasonable amount of time to pass so that the soldiers wouldn't be suspicious. She searched the desk. She found a spare revolver and a pocket watch. She found a ledger and a billfold. Though She didn't usually take to thievery. She felt Euricity would scold her if she didn't at least reimburse herself for the money she had spent today. She counted out what she felt was hers, then realized she didn't have her wallet with her. Stupid dress had no pockets. So she decided to take the entire wallet and stuffed it into the muff. When she thought it had been enough time, she got up and walked to the door, opening it, just enough to slip through. She stepped into the hall. "'He's sleeping,' she told the officer at the door. "'I need to say good-bye to my friends, and I will return and care to his needs, so you are not to disturb him. You will please show me out?' "'Of course, miss.' The guard took her arm and led her out of the fort, back to the market that surrounded it. "'Would you like me to escort you to the carriage?' "'That won't be necessary. I know you have duties to attend to. It would be selfish of me to take you from them.' "'I will return,' said Paris as she tried not to look like she was running. Walking as slow as she could manage, in her mind she repeated, Stay calm. See the path. Stay calm. See the path. The way to the saloon seemed clear. The soldiers that had been patrolling the streets were all gone. She walked back into the saloon, past the patrons who did not recognize her. The couches in the back were empty, so she walked past them, and up the stairs behind them. A few people in the saloon looked up to watch. On occasion some wife would come and drag their cheating husband from the rooms upstairs. It always ended in a bit of drama that could be gossiped about for a few days. But when Paris knocked on the second door, it opened for her, and she stepped in. There was no yelling, no screaming, and no one got drugged back out again. So people watching lost interest and went back to their drinking." I heard the knock at the door. Cindy was first to speak up. "'Who is it?' she chimed. "'Helen, it's Anna. Open up.' "'Anna! Open for her!' Cindy opened the door and sat back down. I could not believe what I saw as Paris stepped through. A dress! Paris was just as surprised to see me. I was sitting at a poker table. There were teacups and teapots, and all the cakes we had bought from the shop, on little plates everywhere. There were three girls from the couches downstairs, and Cindy. They sat at the table with me. Each of us had a pile of penny candy, and in between us there was a smaller pile. We were all holding cards, as Rose dealt us another hand. "'Anna, are you wearing a dress?' I asked. "'I like the way she dressed before better,' said Rose." "'Oh, yeah. Her little cowgirl outfit? That was sexy,' replied Cindy. I stood up and went over to pull her into a hug and kissed her on the lips. "'I'm so glad you're back. Don't listen to them. You look very nice. Is everything taken care of?' "'For now, but we have to go. What is going on here?' Castor sent the cakes over, along with some sandwiches, a tea set from the mercantile, and the candy. He figured, If I was going to be here for a while, I might need lunch. He makes a very thoughtful butler. I wonder what are the chances I could keep him when we get back to Colorado. I know Dad will expect him back in New York, but seriously, he's a good butler. Let me introduce you to the girls. That's Cindy, and Rose is dealing, Tabitha next to her, and you met Michael downstairs when we arrived. Paris recognized the woman she had paid to hide Helen. "'Helen told us all about you,' said Michael. "'So romantic,' said Rose. "'I want a girl of my own. "'Hey, Tabitha, want to get married?' "'Sorry, honey. "'I don't think my husband would approve.' "'Tabby, you're married?' "'I asked in surprise. "'Sure I am. "'He doesn't mind that you're... "'a whore? "'If he does, he doesn't seem to mind "'spending the money, so... "'They all laughed. "'No.' This is serious, said Rose. I'm tired of the men. They smell, and they're too rough. I want to spend the day at the river resting my head in my girl's lap. Don't you mean resting your tongue in your girl's lap? Tabitha teased, and again the girls laughed. No, really. Helen, can I borrow your girl for the evening? I promise I'll give her back. Rose, my wife is not for Lent, I insisted with a stomp of my foot a move that elicited the biggest laugh yet. I mean, no offense, Tabby. It's okay, honey, Tabitha assured me. I need a girl of my own. Where do I find one? Rose folded her arms in a pout. Helen, I'm sorry, we have to go. I'm sorry, girls. I need to take my wife with me, Paris said. The girls groaned. You can keep the tea set and the cakes, I said, as Paris led me to the door. She stopped for a moment, a thought flashed across her face. Then she turned back to the room. Rose. The dress shop down the street, a little. There's a woman that works there, Catherine. Go tell her Anna Lee sent you for sewing lessons. Paris closed the door behind us, and we began to walk down the stairs. We could hear the other girls yell, sewing lessons, and break into laughter. What was that about? I'm returning a favor was all Paris explained, as we made our way back down to the carriage. Paris never saw the handwritten note sitting next to the teapot. It said, Helen, I don't care if you play house with your bodyguard, as long as you hold up to your end of the deal. Nathaniel. Odysseus saw us coming, and was grateful that we were both there. As we approached, he looked at Paris and asked, So, are you back to normal, or do I have to deal with two Helens now? That's very funny. I'm going to need a moment, Paris said as she climbed into the carriage and shut the door behind her. The carriage began to rock back and forth at her obvious attempts to undress and redress. I stood next to Odysseus and watched the carriage from the outside. I know she's doing her job, but it seems like every time there's a problem she kicks it over and expects to fight her way through, Odysseus complained. "'What did you expect of her? You know who her father was.' "'No. Who's her father?' "'Wait. You didn't know? I thought that's why you hired her. You were such a huge fan, and you didn't even know? What are you talking about?' "'No. I'm not going to tell you right now. It's too good. I've never had anything on you before, and now I know something you don't.' "'Okay, okay.' Just tell me what you're talking about, and I'll owe you one. Who is her father? She's the daughter of the Colorado kid. That's impossible. The Colorado kid died over twenty years ago, before she was born. Twenty-one years ago. And are you sure he died? You weren't there. You didn't see it. Anna! Odysseus called to the carriage. What? came Paris's voice from the inside. Was your father the Colorado kid? Yeah. Jim Lee was your father? Yeah. Where was he from? Colorado? No, I mean originally. Oh, he immigrated from China. He was Chinese, Odysseus whispered to himself. Do you know what this means, he asked me. No, what? I finally got to see the fight, he said, with a huge smile on his face. Oscar, I have a favor to ask of you. It's Oscar now, is it? It's about Anna. Oh, it's Oscar and Anna. Well, you do have my attention. Don't tease, or I will go back to calling you Odysseus. No, no, by all means, go ahead. I really am intrigued. I can do it. I really can only if you talk the Baron into keeping her as my bodyguard. If she's with me, I can do it. That's all I'm asking for. Talking him into it might be easy. Talking her into it could be another trial. I'll handle that. She'll take the job. Just make sure they offer it to her. You're the one who comes up with plans. You're the one who talks people into things. Just make sure he offers her the job. If you do that for me... I'll be good, I promise. Real names from now on. And I'll go through with the wedding. No complaints. No trouble. What about your quest to find Paris? I am no longer looking for Paris. Okay, I'll do what I can, Odysseus said, as he put a hand on my shoulder. If I don't get a chance. Thank Lucy for me. Tell her I love her, and that I'm happy. I'm sure she will be overjoyed to hear it." Paris came out of the carriage once again dressed as I recognized her, all brown leathers and pistols. My Paris! And though she was beautiful in her dress, this was the woman I fell in love with, and my heart was filled with joy to see her again. We need to go, Paris began to untether Pony. She pulled saddlebags from the carriage and put them onto her horse. Oscar, take the carriage and the caravan west. I'm going to take Helen south with me. We'll find a train station and catch up with you in Colorado. That is unacceptable. We can't do that. We have to, or the cavalry will catch up with me. I thought you took care of the cavalry. They came and told us we could go. I did take care of them. I got them to release us, and then I killed the captain. And now it's only a matter of time till they find that out. You, what? He's dead. He was intent on keeping Helen for himself. That's what you hired me to do, and I did it. Now we need to get out of here. When they find him, they will come after the caravan, so we need to go in a different direction. Take the caravan as a decoy. Let them surround it. Let them search for us. We won't be there. You're not going alone. I'm coming with you. We will be fine. This is not negotiable, Odysseus yelled, as he began to rush about making preparations for himself and ensuring that the carriage driver and wagon master knew what to do. People keep telling me that. This is not negotiable. That is not negotiable. I don't think any of them understand what a negotiation is. I swear to God. God, I'm going to shoot the next person who tells me something is not negotiable, Paris grumbled. I put my hand on her shoulder. Just stay with me, and it will be okay, I lied. Paris calmed and looked into my eyes. Of course I will. I'm not going to let anything happen to you. Helen, I want you to know, my wife is not for Lent either. I will not share you, as soon as I can the very moment it is possible. I will kill the Baron for you. I know you will. I stopped and took a breath and continued. Anna. Some day they will say terrible things about me. They always do. They will say that I married you so you could fight my war for me. But I want you to know the truth. I started a war so I could marry you. I whispered in her ear, and kissed her. Odysseus returned and nearly caught me, but I straightened up and tried to hide my nervousness. Let's go, quickly, Odysseus mounted his horse, and Paris got on Pony, pulling me up in front of her again. Hold tight, Paris said, as she snapped the reins and Pony began to gallop away. Always, my love, I will never let go of you. I held on tight, and watched the fort disappear behind us. Mentelaus awoke from his bed. He realized he was wearing his boots. They were clean, and he had not left any dirt in the bed. But he was still disturbed. He would never have worn his boots to bed, nor would he have gone to bed in his full uniform. He stood up, feeling a little dizzy for a moment, and then made his way back to his office. Where was Helen? There was a man sitting in a chair, waiting for him before his desk. Excuse me, what are you doing here? Do we have an appointment? Menelaus asked. An unavoidable one, Hades replied, as he sipped on a glass of whiskey. It's... you. Menelaus looked at his body and felt his neck. I'm... dead, aren't I? I'm sorry, but you are... That's not fair! Menelaus took down the cavalry sword from the wall. In a rage, he smashed everything he could swing the sword at. He slashed across the paintings. He shattered the glass decanter that held the whiskey. He chopped at the desk until the sword stuck. And then he let it go. She is mine! She was always supposed to be mine! What did you want her for? she is my wife i was promised her by who your brother by her every life she promises me every life she makes her vow every life she betrays me but in every life you force her you manipulate her or her family you put her in a position where she can't say no and then you're surprised she takes the very first opportunity to run She is supposed to be my wife. You're wrong, you know, about so many things. But mostly, you're wrong about that in every life she promises herself to you. In this life, you didn't even meet her. What do you mean? She was here in my office. She was there in my bedroom undressing. That wasn't Helen. That was Paris. That woman? That was Paris? I thought she was lying. Your fate cannot be denied. No one's can. But each life is different. You can't seem to get a grasp on that. You can't seem to move past what was to what can be. Yes, that was Paris. In this life she's a woman. Just as in this life you're not a king. What do you want? Find what's important to you, and then see your way through your destiny by holding on to that. I just want the respect I deserve. No one deserves respect. Respect must be earned. How? It's an exchange. Respect is given to those who give it. You had the respect of your men because you respected them. You cared for the cavalry. You protected it, ensured that it had what it needed. And so you had its respect. You were a captain. You could have made colonel soon, and I'm sure in time general. "'but you never respected Helen. "'So she never respected you back. "'What did you need her for? "'What did you ever want from her? "'You don't even know her, "'and you never take the time to learn. "'Even in Sparta, "'you put her away in a room with her handmaidens "'and brought her out to show off at parties. "'She's never been a woman to you. "'She's always been a trophy. "'The question is, "'is she a trophy you need?' Hades took a sip from his whiskey before he continued. I will give you a hint. Hopefully it can help you when you come around again. Maybe next time you won't be such an asshole. You almost did it. You almost let her go. If it hadn't been for the fact that the caravan had been rerouted, if they had chosen another path west and not come to the fort, you probably would have forgotten all about it. Hades finished his whiskey and stood from his chair come on, it's time, Hades said, as Menelaus saw the descending staircase suddenly in the middle of his office. Paris, huh? Menelaus said as he began to descend the staircase. Yep, Paris, said Hades. He makes a pretty attractive woman. She sure does. This has been Helen of the Iron Horse, written by Paris Lee, artwork by Helen Lee, performed by Helen and Paris. All characters within are fictional and bear no intentional resemblance to anyone living or dead, except, I guess, for Helen and Paris. See more of our work at edgeoftheworldart.com. If you would like to comment on the show or ask any question, please email us at Helen of the Iron Horse at gmail.com. The proceeding was made with the love and encouragement of all of our friends at the LA LGBT Center's Trans Lounge. Thank you.